TikTok. Yep. I said it before and I'll say it again. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. What's the most you ever lost on a coin toss? Sir? I feel the need. The need for speed. Ow! Good morning, Vietnam! What country are you from? What? What? what ain't no country I ever heard of? They speak English in what? 60% of the time, it works every time. That doesn't make sense. It's in the hole! In the hole. All right, all right, all right. These guys are two Dr. Lecter, my name is Clarice Starling. Can I speak with you? The first rule of Fight Club is you do not talk about Fight Club. Gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. I must break you. I want to learn the ways of the Force and become a Jedi like my father. We love some movie characters, and sometimes the best way to get into the characters we love is to dig deep into their motive, their calling, and their sense of self, and talk about what they really, really want. This is Movie Typing, where we engage and unveil the intentions and drive of the greatest characters on film. My name is Jeff Cook. I'm a philosopher in Greeley, Colorado. With me is TJ Wilson, businessman, lover of theology, and personality typing expert. Hello. Boss. Uh, we are with the great Daniel Mothershed again. Hooray. This is true. This is the sound of my voice. Uh, Daniel, not only a Muffet's aficionado, but man of the theater. The, uh, as was said in our last episode about the Muppets Christmas Carol, you have seen just last year five renditions of Christmas Carol. This is uh, also true. Some <laughs> of them were better than others. <laughs> what What is your favorite uh, experience, memory of see, of seeing this on stage? I went to see the Denver Center version again for the first time in many many years, and was it was got sat in towards the front row with mostly a whole row to myself. And then a young couple came down and sat right next to me. And, and the, the, the young woman in the couple was clearly very excited to be there, like dressed up, looked great. And her boyfriend clearly could not have given a crap. Sat on the aisle. She sat next to me, was real chatty with me. But, uh, and I said, <laughs> have you seen, have you seen a Christmas Carol before? And she said, no, neither of us have. And I was like, oh, you've never seen the, the play. And she said, no, 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 we've never, we've never seen it. We've never seen it wow. at all. We've never, we've never read it. Yeah, we don't newbies. know it. Come on, so you not even Mickey, not even the Muppets, and she goes, "There's a Muppet version," and I'm like, "How old are you?" <laughs> was it Kimmy Schmidt? Was it Kimmy Schmidt that you know what you? it was? It was. <laughs> Should have done a selfie. The, they said, "What do we need to know?" They're like, "It's it's it's fun, right? Like it's it's a it's a Christmas show." And I was like, "Yeah, yeah." And then so the show kind of starts, and and we're not really able to say anything else. And then as it's building more and more towards the the uh, the arrival of Jacob Marley, I realized, oh, these people have no idea <laughs> that a ghost and they've changed it since I last saw it. So in the version now, there's a trap door on the on the floor in, in that theater. Marley ex- screams and explodes through that trap door and they let <laughs> they let the sides of the door whack the stage. It made me jump and I knew it was coming. And again, seated our reluctant boyfriend. Very, very uh, excited, attractive young woman, me. And Marley explodes through the floor, screams, and there's weird music and chains rattling, and the trapdoors hit the side of the stage. And this poor young woman screams and grabs the the leg of her boyfriend and simultaneously <laughs> mine. 
<laughs> and then realizes what she's done and is like mortified. <laughs> so I'm now trying not to lose my shit laughing at a in a Christmas carol. Totally the wrong moment to do it. Okay, my favorite story is actually uh, a performance that I was in that I forget about often because like, I am not a good actor. I am an acceptable performer. I am a really bad actor. I can't remember lines. I can't, like, I'm not very good at sort of embodying other characters very well for long periods of time. And I have no improv skills. I'm terrible at improv. So uh, I was going to this tiny church and was unaware yet that I'm such a bad actor and a little bit uh, prouder of my skills than I should have been. And I was playing Scrooge and I skipped a whole page of dialogue (laughs) in this terrible youth performance. And the kid that was on stage with me was playing Marley. And he was also like, he, he wasn't like theater people and, if you had to guess there was if there was a weak link in the show he might have been it until like we're actually performing it the one time we performed it and i skipped a page of dialogue and he's the one that brought us back and saved it it was just <laughs> hilarious and terrible and i can i can direct shouldn't be acting i love the fact that they they had you play in scrooge yeah i've also yeah. been in a couple of christmas carols I was the ghost of Christmas present. Sure. The, yeah. One of the least joyful people in the world, me, Cassie. <laughs> <laughs> you got the look. So I also, I'm wearing a giant uh, green robe. So I also grew up in uh, Denver, Colorado. My mom, my beloved mother, had uh, season tickets to also to the Buell, to the Denver Center. To, and so every year went. One of the last times we went was with my mom, my stepfather, and uh, my granddad. And... Uh, we're sitting there, and at the time, I went with my wife and all of us and those three. And at the time, I w- we were so embarrassed because my stepfather and my grandfather both fell asleep in the middle. And there was a point where, like, it got real quiet, and the snoring of the two rose <laughs> above the crowd. And my mom didn't know they were asleep. We didn't know they were asleep, and it suddenly was like a shake them, you know, kind of. Kind of thing, and at the time, you know, it's it's the theater, and right. uh, we were mortified. But now, like looking back, it's just all three of them have passed, and so now this is just a delightful, warm memory in my in my heart of uh, my mom really wanting to connect us to something, some piece of art. She was an art teacher, and uh, at a university and never and 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 just having you know the two older men, uh, her husband and her father just not care at all you know and, and just makes me back laugh. then there were rules in the theater there are not now yeah. <laughs> you can face be speaking of denver theater is a hands-on experience hey <laughs> well well last time we ended with one of the great characters uh of literature which is scrooge and uh, we're going to start with one of the great characters uh of film which is kermit uh, I heard that Henson said that the char- the Muppet that most represented him was Rolf, it, like that he felt like this is most who I am. But I do think there's something about, and this happens in you know psychiatry, doesn't it? And, uh, like where people like use a puppet to express some of the things they wouldn't normally express. And I always feel like that as we're talking, that's what I think is going on with Henson is some of the stuff yeah. that he wouldn't normally 
say out loud comes out in this character. That's the thing. I just we mentioned Fred Rogers earlier too. Yeah. Lots of people who know Fred Rogers said the same thing about Fred puppeteering Daniel Tiger, mm-hmm. that, that that was maybe the most pure distillation of who Fred Rogers right. was. The the fear inside of Daniel the Tiger. This is Kermit's one of the most beloved fictional characters of all time. First appears in 1955. Mm-hmm. The original Kermit is, I mean, this is such a beloved character. The original Kermit is in the Smithsonian. I mean, that is that is next level in terms of, you know, American pop culture. And he doesn't look like Kermit. If you see that original Kermit, I think he was on a show called Sam right. and Friends, if I remember yep. correctly. And he just looks like a sock. <laughs> you yeah, know, it's right? like a sock with ping pong balls on it. It's essentially what it is. One of my favorite cartoons, by the way, of all times, like newspaper cartoons, is of Kermit at the doctor, and the doctor is holding an X-ray, and, and the doctor says to Kermit, "Mr. the Frog, I have some bad news for some shocking news for you." And it's just the X-ray is a hand <laughs> that's inside. <laughs> that's hilarious great joke another thing that got me emotional was uh kermit received a posthumous oscar uh for jim henson and uh where else in culture are there you know relationships of that sort of the creator and the creation you know it's just it's really uncommon and just beautiful i don't think that there are any to be perfectly honest but like the the jim henson kermit the frog i mean it's it's I can't remember where it is, but there's a sculpture of him at a, is it a museum? Is it a college in like the Midwest? But it's a sculpture of, it's a bronze sculpture of Jim Henson and Kermit. And he's not puppeteering Kermit. It's the two of them as separate entities together. It's Jim Henson sitting on a bench and Kermit sitting looking at him. And I think that's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Well, Kermit, obviously, taking the role of Bob Cratchit. I mentioned that Kermit's kind of the straight man in the Muppets routinely, or I don't know what this is in literature. It's the character through whose eyes you're supposed to see the rest of the world. I think we're supposed to identify with, with Cratchit uh, when we come to this and Kermit always does a great job of being that, you know, set of glasses for the rest of us. And uh, for me when typing, so we're going to do personality typing when typing Kermit, Oh yeah. um, I see the straight man here again. I see the idealism often reluctant and ill-equipped leader. But the thing about Kermit is that I, I think Kermit is always loved by the other Muppets. It's one of the dynamics ends up being that, you know, with the possible exception sometimes of his abusive girlfriend, uh, <laughs> the, like everybody seems to love Kermit. And, and I suppose the critics. She the does too, even if she <laughs> won't admit it. I would type Kermit as a one as Kermit, and I would type him as something else in this piece and uh, throw that ball to TJ. What are your thoughts on Kermit? Yeah, I see. I see a lot of what you're saying about uh, like the idealism and whatnot, but there, there's so much of Kermit's role. It like his place in the world to me seems to be to bring everyone together Mm-hmm. And and there's a lot of that work that is like putting them in their place, like like as a stage manager, as the one ordering the show, like his job is to put them in their place. But but to me, it seems like the, his overarching goal, like the thing that he is trying to do is bring everyone together and hope that everyone's sort of like getting along and enjoying themselves. 
and there's there's a lot of like seven nineness to all of that but i i really see like part of why i identify with kermit as <laughs> sort of the most is because i see that like my role in the world has so much of that element to it as well it's like i i want people to to come to a place where they feel comfortable to be themselves and i see that in kermit a lot and like he like he has the opportunity to sign the the rich and famous contract but that's not what he wants he just wants people to be entertained right yep and i think that is that's a little bit of a difference between kermit in the Muppet movie and Kermit in the Muppet show. Cause I think Kermit in the Muppet show, because it is a variety show because mm-hmm. it is sketches, it is comedy. I would say Kermit is much more of a one in the Muppet show. Cause it is by God, we have a show to do. And I don't, I don't even care if you're enjoying it, but we've got a show. So you have to get out there. This mm-hmm. is the right thing. To, there's a right way and a wrong way to do it. And I know the right way to do it. Well, and it's I so much of the Muppet show, but not as much in the, Movie. I would push against that a little bit to say like there is some one wingedness there of like as as his role like in in the show he's actually adapting to the chaos right like they, the show yeah. is much more chaotic than than the Muppet movie of bringing everyone together but like within the show his job is to get through the show. Right. And like, like yeah, no, I'm a, exactly. I do audio engineering. I love live shows. And like one of the things that I, I noticed as a huge difference between one of my former like sort of bosses, like he he's the one on stage. I'm the one running the behind the scenes. And in all like every single time anything goes wrong, he wants to stop and fix it to make sure that <laughs> the people like the thing that is supposed to happen is happening. And my role is to make sure we get through it. Yep. Yep. And and I see that like that seems to be like we have a show to do. And, and if it's good or not, we have to get through it. And hopefully if it's not good, we'll be able to change it next time. Where do you think? And this is a question for for both of you. As a nine and as a one, I know I know this is an underlying thing for both of them. So where where do you respond to with where do you think about Kermit's? Because um, I feel like Kermit is very angry, even though it doesn't always come mm-hmm. out. But like it does not take a lot for Kermit to get real mad and for the those little arms to start flying around above him. Where does that resonate for both of you? Because that was one of the things I was thinking about. I was like, well, there is, but I know there I know there's kind of some underlying anger in both of those numbers. Yeah. In- in, of all things, in my notes, those are the sorts of things I wrote down. I do think Kermit's definitely on that 9-1 line. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And both uh, 9s and 1s have a relationship to anger where they both can repress it until it explodes. Yeah. Uh, for 1s, it comes out a little bit more in frustration. And for 9s, it can come out a little bit more um, aggressively. What would you Sideways. Call um, yeah. Yeah. The Kermit rage always feels very born out of just frustration mm-hmm. and just exasperated anger of like, oh, my God. The, the thing my- that I see, I'll make the case for both because I got just kind of clean in my head right now. But for on the nine side, the thing where I see a lot of nine energy ends up being what TJ was mentioning. It's like off stage, trying to keep everything together, really aware of everybody else's emotions, meeting them where they're at. Kermit is fearful when in stress a lot, and that would be much more nine-ish than one-ish. 
And I think that if, if the reach for nines is to push into three space where you want to be on stage, you want to be validated, you want to be the center. Eventually there's some of that going on with, with Kermit, especially Muppet movie Kermit. Like I'm reaching for stardom, even though it's kind of an awkward move. Yeah. On the one side, again, the drive that's in that character of setting up the performances at all really come is coming out of a place that is more one-ish. Like I have an ideal, I really want to show, throw this variety show with all of these different things going on, with all of these different skits. And that's there's a reach, and it's a reach towards seven. from One's just wanting to have all of the things going on. And those songs it's not easy being green and and rainbow connection just have are so dripping with melancholy of a forest side for me i realize nines can be melancholy but for me there's a a, a lot of you know self-aware melancholy going on and accepted Especially, yes and like and and even the i'm i'm unique in this space the it's not easy being green Side so though I but I think this is one of those pairings. Not the nine one mistype is really really common yes. and can be very difficult for these reasons. Yeah. So what do you, what do you think, Teach? Uh, I the, the melancholy expressed within those two songs in particular, I think, is uh, misunderstood mm. melancholy uh, because uh, to me both of those songs are very hopeful. Mm-hmm. They are acknowledging of the reality of the the sort of sadness that exists, but they are pointing at something more hopeful. And I feel like like the melancholy coming into like if if we're gonna talk about the melancholy of fourness, there's there's more comfortableness with staying there, whereas these two songs are pointing at something different. Uh, particularly the um, it's not easy being green, but green is the color of leaves. Uh, green can be big like a mountain or or tall like a tree. Like the yes, it's not easy being green, but also green can be great. Even in the song "The Rainbow Connection," that also feels like reaching, and it also feels very hopeful because mm-hmm. the chorus of that. I think you're right, TJ, because the chorus of the Rainbow Connection is someday we'll find it right the rainbow connection it's this aspirational thing of one day me you everybody we're all going to be over here yep can you can can you connect that to nineness to me there there's the rainbow connection is is largely about um finding our connectedness with everyone around us oh sure okay i see what you're saying yeah yeah uh, and uh, totally. and even coming into it's not easy being green like Kermit acknowledging that that he has this sort of unique place in the world but it's actually it's also important and and thinking about the beginning of the Muppet movie he starts in a swamp and then someone comes along and says you could make millions entertaining the world and he says I could I could make other people happy. Like right. there, there's a sense of someone else telling him that he could accomplish this great thing that would be beautiful and change the world. It, it's not about the stardom for him. 
It's about him having an impact and his presence mattering in a really big way. And I think that, like, it's not easy being green touches on that for me as well. I know we talked about not a lot of the more recent Muppet stuff being great. Jason Siegel's Muppet movie is wonderful. Yes. Okay. He understood the Muppets. <clears throat> and and that's that's the Kermit that I feel like is in that movie. Yes. Agreed. Because they're talking about getting the the gang together for another show to save the, to save the theater. But Kermit, and I have not watched that one as much as I've watched the other ones to know the song. But Kermit sings a song about how much he loved that group of people mm -hmm. and how what they did mattered and Kermit's justification for getting in that car and going back on the road is just to get everybody back together. Cause it was fun yeah. and joyful. Yeah. So I agree with you. <laughs> I, I would love to transition into, cause I do think the Kermit Cratchit character is a nine. And I think there's lots of reasons to think that. Agreed. I also think that a lot of the things that TJ was saying about what's going on in, in Kermit's, heart could be said about ones. And so just yeah. to put a pin in that yep. there uh, for a lot of the same reasons. But the thing about Kermit in this is the positive spin that routinely is coming out of this character and being the voice for, for, you know, the rats that can't speak for themselves. They're like, we, we all got together and we voted that you're going to speak to, do it, do it, to do it, do the miser for us. <laughs> and like that is nine skill of being able to communicate the hard truth to the to the jerk over there, you know, on behalf of everybody else. Mm -hmm. Just want to connect everybody and and get us all moving in the right direction that comes out uh, here. <clears throat> Excuse me, Mr. Scrooge, but it appears to be closing time. Very well. I'll see you at eight tomorrow morning. Um, tomorrow's Christmas. Eight thirty then. Oh, um, if you please, sir. Half an hour off hardly seems customary for Christmas Day. Not hardly customary. Not at How much time off is customary, Mr. Cratchit? Uh, why, uh, the uh, whole day. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. The whole day. The entire day. No, well, no, no, that's the frog's idea. If you please, Mr. Scrooge, why open the office tomorrow? Other businesses will be closed. You'll have no one to do business with. Yeah. Uh, it'll waste a lot of expensive coal for the fire. Yes, that's definitely a point. It's a poor excuse for picking a man's pocket every December the 25th. But as I seem to be the only person around who knows that, take the day and communicating to the the jerk on his own terms as well. Like he's yeah. he's not yep. saying, "Hey, a hole, it's Christmas. Let them go home." He's saying, "Well, you know, a lot of businesses aren't going to be closed, aren't going to be open tomorrow, so it's a waste of resources." Yeah. Her, the, the very nine-ish on that front is can see the values of the person in front of him, speak to those values and seek to move things in a peaceful way yeah. by by elevating those values, all these other businesses are going to be closed, Yep. and you're going to waste money on coal. Yeah. And ends up moving Scrooge to something that clearly Scrooge doesn't want to do. Right. Mm -hmm. And I also think, like, in this way sort of earns the, like, it's interesting to me that the number two for the most hated person in town is Beloved. Yeah, right. You know, like Fred likes him. The the um, the the 
the guys looking for donations like him. Like he is he is cared for by other people despite the fact that he works for the meanest person in town. It uh, is also for me, I don't care about Bob Cratchit and maybe that makes me a monster, but like every time I see a Christmas carol I'm always like, "Ugh, I'm just cuz 9 times out of 10 whoever plays Bob Cratchit, I don't feel like does anything that's really interesting. Yeah. They're just kind of a passive guy that bad stuff happens to. I'm like, I'd love to see some like something in Bob Cratchit and I think Kermit does it. Mm-hmm. Like I love Bob Cratchit, Kermit the Frog is Bob Cratchit like cuz he's 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 charming, he's got personality, yeah. he's he's Kermit. The, the songs do that. And yes. the image of of him and you know and Tiny Tim do that. I suppose that's common to it, but and again, I want to say just because we have history with this character elsewhere, yeah. you put him in that yeah. role where he's clearly being abused and his child is going to die because of the neglect of his employer. Uh, our heart breaks for him because we love because we love that character because yeah. we love socialism. I mean, we love Bob Cratchit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, favorite introduction here of his nineness is him going and saying, "Hey, uh, the other employees and I, we, we would like some more." Uh, heat, you know, coal for the fire. If you please, Mr. Scrooge, it's gotten colder. Any bookkeeping staff would like to have an extra shovel full of coal for the fire? We can't do the bookkeeping. Yeah, all of our pens have turned to insicles. Our assets are frozen. How would the bookkeepers like to be suddenly unemployed? This is my island in the sun. I believe you convinced them once again, Mr. Scrooge. You'll notice... Yep, that's not not affirming what has taken place, and yet still establishing the connection. Yep, as as is the nine way. Yeah, <laughs> and as a device, it's funny. It's it's him commenting on what's happening without commenting on it. It's 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 the Muppets. That's mm-hmm. what the Muppets do so mm-hmm. gorgeously. Nephew Fred walks in, does the nephew Fred uh, role, sets Merry up Christmas, God save you, yada 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 yada. <laughs> <laughs> sets up Beaker and Bunsen walking in as the charity collectors, which is a great selection. Beaker is one of my, like, if if you ever want to enrage someone who's trying <laughs> to, like, show that they're, like, tough, just do the Beaker voice to them. <laughs> it's, I love Beaker so much. Who are you? We're from the Order of Victoria Charity Foundation. We'd like to speak to you about a donation. At this festive season of the year, Mr. Scrooge, many of us feel that we must take care of our poor and homeless. Are there no prisons, no poorhouses? Plenty of those, sir. Excellent. For a moment, I was worried. Some of us are endeavoring to raise a fund for the poor and the homeless. What might I put you down for? Nothing. You wish to remain anonymous? I wish to be left alone. I know how to treat the poor. My taxes go to pay for the prisons and the poor houses. The homeless must go there. But some would rather die. If they'd rather die, then they'd better do it and decrease the surplus population. Oh, dear, oh, dear. Oh, dear. dear. This is the door. You may use it. All right, Beaker, come along. I think we've taken enough of Mr. Scrooge's time. (laughs) And and Bunsen and Beaker leave with, of course, Beaker flipping 
the bird at Scrooge as he, as he takes off. It looks like that. And it's a great moment. And it is funny. But like Beaker only has three fingers. Uh-huh. And if you look, like he's very clearly, yeah, four fingers, sorry, uh, as opposed to our normal five. It, he's very clearly holding up one finger. Oh, you think so? It's his first finger. And like, like this is, this. it's, everybody sees this. Yeah. The middle finger is still the middle finger on a Muppet. What? Middle if finger the, is still technically the middle finger on a Muppet. So this yeah. would be my middle finger. The, the, this is pointer <laughs> finger still for a Muppet. Yeah. but Okay, so you're saying that this was not a crass uh, no. expression. No. What is he doing? He's chastising him. Yeah, he's mad. Me, 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 okay. me. Like he's he's yelling back at at Scrooge. And like everybody thinks that. I did for most of my life. The internet is filled with stories of people thinking that is the middle finger. And like it's it is this great moment, but it is also a good reminder that like like this is not the middle finger right. doesn't exist in the Which world of I've, the Muppets and it shouldn't. I've never thought that. Okay. Was it that. was the middle f- finger? Yeah. I've never thought of that because it is like this is one of the because because like the character of Beaker outside of this story is consistently getting smashed, flattened, yeah. blown up, stretched, frozen, burned. It's Bill Murray in 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 uh, Groundhog Day, right? I've yeah. been frozen, <laughs> stabbed, shot, strangled, burned, electrocuted, and he's always scared. But this is like one of the few moments where you see Beaker finally get to turn to somebody and be like, "No, yep." This is not okay. You are mean. Yeah. I appreciate the the, you know, the argument here, and it may be entirely correct, and I will never interpret it that way. That's totally fine. But the, yeah. it makes it so funny to me that that's who Beaker is, yeah. and that suddenly he's he's pulling out the, you know, the jester, and, and you're just like, that's what yeah. makes it so funny. There's some sickness in this moment. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about their types. I also think that this is a good like the two of them, the way that they are sort of like portrayed as like they're they're going around collecting money for other people and and their frustration at how mean Scrooge is is like I I I want to put them in this two basket. Because like their their job, their their whole thing is to care for other people. And are you Oh sure. Are you would you say that that's just them in this movie or is that Beaker and Benson in real life? I would say it's it's them in this movie. I don't know about Beaker okay. and Benson in real life. Beaker might be a six in real life. I think it's a quintessential, yeah, terrified, anxious character who's the second, you know, yeah. loyal to, to sort of a lunatic mad scientist. Yeah. <laughs> the, the Bunsen is on that five, seven for me where... Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I want to go with seven mostly just because it's such an optimistic character of, oh, we're going to try this new thing. Yeah. We're going to try this new thing. Trying and new here, things, yeah. Beaker, drink drink this clearly acidic drink <laughs> that will cause your head to explode. Wait, you know? to strap this onto your head, Beaker. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, and yeah, there it is. The idealism of pulling him mm-hmm. into into these things to see what, what could possibly happen. So. Oh, yeah, because I've always gotten the sense that Beaker does not actually want to do any of the things that he's being right. made to do. Right. It's that this guy kind of makes him, forces him, pulls him into it. And there's the loyalty. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if the other character is worth mentioning, but, you know, the that montage up front of seeing Scrooge with all these people in his life from his nephew to Cratchit 
to uh, you know the 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 charity workers to then Bean Bunny comes in, who's the rabbit caroler. Is that character? Is that character? I mean, that that seems like a, a Muppet that's kind of a secondary, but has become a lot more prominent. What do you want? Penny for the song, Governor. There are a lot of Muppets and and Muppet performers and uh, and the Muppet Studios have a they have an actual name for those what they call those secondary characters, but they have kind of all purpose Muppets that that are recognizable, but not recognizable in the same way that like Piggy is right. You, you know, Piggy can't show up as anybody else because he'd be like, what's, what's Piggy doing with whatever? But some of those Muppets that have kind of all purpose, he he shows up throughout the history of the Muppets. And and li- li- I, I've. I literally have this movie memorized and this is the first, this is my learning that his name is Bean Bunny. The thing that hits me is not that we need to type that character, but the the rats and the rabbits that are in this production all represent poverty, mm-hmm. which I think is a, it's a great visual image of they're all small. Um, they're, they're all kind of nervous and, uh, they're sympathetic characters who are consistently asking for charity. Here, Scrooge throws, you know, the wreath at the bunny, and it's half funny, half mean, and and this is saying us we know who these characters are. Yeah. Well, and and with the novel, with this story, with all the other adaptations of it, I think Fred, all these other characters don't necessarily matter tremendously in the story themselves. They're really just devices, especially up front, expositional things to show you how awful Scrooge is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like this is your sister, the one person who you loved, her only child, who you should love and you don't. Yeah. Right. Well, you do, but you don't. Incredibly understated that he's lost his sister. And yeah, this this is yeah. a kid's movie, <laughs> yeah. you know, I mean, so you can't probably lean into it like you can. There's there's been some versions I've seen where where uh, the 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 one I saw at the Alliance where the ghost of Christmas past literally is like turns to him and she goes, this is your sister, the only person who really loved you and the only person who you loved. Did she have any kids? And you're like, oh, yeah, right. <laughs> Kermit ends up being a bookends to this opening scene. Uh, and here at the end is as the shop is shutting down, comes to Scrooge and says, um, um, Tomorrow's Christmas. Mm-hmm. 8.30 then. Oh, um, if you please, sir, half an hour off hardly seems customary for Christmas Day. Not, not hardly customary. Not, not at all. <laughs> ends, with, ends with Scrooge saying, poor excuse for picking a man's pop pocket every December the 25th. But since I'm the only one who seems to know that, take the day off. It's like that too. That's a, That's a great, like, chosen isolation for scrooge on that too like like i am alone in my mm-hmm. knowledge of this yeah, yeah. which if that's because you said did you say you think five for scrooge yeah mm-hmm. that's that's great yeah. though i mean that is a withdrawing move not yeah, i think that's all, i think that's in- intentional and beautiful and i think there's a there's a level of since i'm the only one who sees the truth fine get out of here yeah yeah <laughs> And and I also think it communicates like there there's a depth here that like he is not respectful toward Cratchit, but clearly he this is someone he will listen to. Mm. Yeah. And this may be the only person on the planet that he'll actually listen to. 
maybe the only person that really he has a human connection with. (laughs) Yeah. And is that maybe because he probably can't do his job without Bob Cratchit? I mean, is there something to that? Like he needs Bob Cratchit to do this. So he's going to. To me, it, it represents that like Bob is the only person that he has actually let into his life. That's I've never thought about that with this version or a Christmas Carol in general, but that's really interesting. And it also is is why the turn like and I I agree with you. I I think that we we have not given been given a, a lot of really good and trustworthy performances of who Bob Cratchit is because I think that that the the importance of Bob being the most important person in his life and like the change at the end like he becomes like a father to tiny tim like he he essentially enters into this family like that that is part of the beauty of what this story is and we don't see that portrayed well with bob being this sort of like secondary plain character of all things the the song that enters at this point in time kind of establishes a, a the foundation for Cratchit is much bigger than just, you know, the the side character to be abused. He's working with the rats and singing the song, and there's something about watching people do their work, the work that they're really good at, and spend all their time doing where it develops, I, I feel, sympathy when you see somebody's actual vocation. And I think thinking about that song now through the lens of what we were talking about earlier about some of Kermit's other songs. This is a this is such a Kermit song mm-hmm. in the same vein as it's not that easy being green mm-hmm. or or rainbow connection. It's maybe not as melancholy, but it is all about the hope of like next time we wake up, it's going to be this amazing time where people are kind to each other, where there's magic in the air, where everybody is joyful and joyous and it's I I've I've never I've always liked this song, but I've really never thought of it through the lens of like even as Bob Cratchit, it's such a Kermit song, yeah. right? One last connection that Scrooge had that that's worth noting in terms of people he cared about, I think is he I think he cared about Marley, and yes. identified himself with Marley. So the best this again, it's just so beautifully shot. Uh, you see this in the Disney version where Scrooge McDuck takes his cane and he hits the sign outside of his shop because it's been covered in snow and to expose that the sign says not just Scrooge, but it says Scrooge and Marley. Mm-hmm. And there's something there's an identity thing there that sometimes can get lost. But when he arrives at home, and as TJ and I are fond of saying, darkness was cheap and Scrooge liked it. Entering that space and then having Marley appear, all of it's been set up to, to, to really talk about a very, very lonely person. Yeah. Well, I think to, only has um, a couple of entry points. With, with the Marley thing, that was something I thought was so interesting. I, I, I've mentioned it a couple of times, but the Alliance Theaters production with the scenes that they've added, the original some of the original people who Scrooge is working for cannot pay their mortgage. And the pe- person to whom their mortgage is owed yeah. is Marley. Oh, I see. Is Marley. Sure. And yeah, yeah. young Scrooge meets Marley then and then goes to work for him. And he's young, 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 young. And it's such a brilliant addition 
mm-hmm. into that story. Mm-hmm. And it's like I said, it's been years since I've read the book. So maybe that's in the book and I just don't remember. I don't think it is. But it's such a brilliant addition to to like why there would be the affinity for somebody who seems to be horrible, horrible, right. horrible, horrible, but because they haven't known really anything else. It's like a formative thing. Scrooge again enters his house, sees the the door knocker, turns to the face of Marley. Always humorous, especially when it's uh, either Statler or uh, Goofy in the Disney version. <laughs> and oh yeah, it is Goofy. <laughs> That's right. For some reason, and like I want to address this because neither of you brought it up. I appreciate it, but like uh, for some reason, I know it's wrong, but I always lead with them being called waldorf and astoria and it takes like it's it's not until after somebody says it that i'm like oh yeah that's not his name i so um the character of waldorf in the show has an Uh ex-wife guess what her name is astoria yeah yeah named after new york city hotels yeah yeah we're just jumping on for the YouTube supercuts of of those characters because they're always positioned in the original Muppet Show just as kind of the rolling joke. And I had mentioned it before. There's a self-deprecating side to the Muppets, and best example, uh, you know, exemplifying those characters of just calling the whole show trash. You yeah. know, um, fully you know, acknowledging think, how stupid things are. <laughs> do you think? My, here's a just one line from them on this front. It's Do you think these performers have any talent? If they did. They wouldn't be here. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of jokes. Favorite of their moments is in A Muppet Treasure Island where Hermit and Piggy fall and you think they're dead. And then Statler and Waldorf are the the mermaid on the front of the ship. And they they both have that, like, we saved the frog and the pig. Well, it was too late to save the movie. (laughs) So, so good. Well, in this, they call themselves Avarice and Greed in the song. And they invite Scrooge to change. You got the Ingram thoughts on this, TJ? They, I, I really like these characters as like stereotype fives with uh, a strong move to eight, mm-hmm. and uh, an understanding, like the importance of understanding that the while they cannot change they can see why they should have. Yep. These characters are observers. Mm-hmm. Like that that's their function. Yeah. And so yeah, the Enneagram five side is yeah. great. Posthumous observers. And that's what I think is so interesting mm-hmm. about Marley in general. I was totally unaware of this. Now here I am doomed to wander for forever. Mm-hmm. And and like in that five to eight move is like like he they he slash they have like they're it is really important that they are showing the truth that that they are right, acknowledging right. reality because other people need to see it and i and like they have a position of power to be able to say y'all need to get your shit together yeah didn't rise to the high side of five which would be something like a non attachment mm-hmm. what they've done is attach themselves to 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 greed and have accumulated, but what they've accumulated in the afterlife are all these chains. Yeah. And that's a great little image. Yeah. I think this scene also thinking about the formative Marley that I saw that scared the crap out of me when I was a kid thinking about the Marley that I saw that scared the crap out of that beautiful young woman sitting next to me <laughs> last year and just other Marley's that I've seen. 
this version, the 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 lyrics of that song, I think, do the best job of any depiction of of Jacob and or Jacob and Robert Marley of painting a picture for Scrooge of like, here's how awful we were and you don't realize it. And here's what is coming for you. Like the, mm -hmm. the, the simple um, brutalness of their lyrics in that song. Mm -hmm. Like, like he says, we're avarice and greed. We took advantage of the poor. We just ignored the needy. Yeah. Like it's, it's done so much simpler and so much better than some of the other Marley versions. You're like, oh, wow, that's... And then the, the Muppets are, are so brilliant because in between singing these heavy, scary lyrics, the jokes are hilarious. The, and the jokes are hilarious, but they're also so... Like, like we need to be reminded that these people are monsters. Like, there, there's something about being scared by Jacob Marley because he's a ghost. And there's another thing about being reminded that if you have these similar thoughts, you are terrible. Like, the uh, remember that time we, we evicted the orphanage on Christmas? There was the year we evicted the entire orphanage. I remember the little tykes all standing in the snowbank with their little frostbitten teddy bears. <laughs> like, like, it's a great joke but it's also like they evicted an orphanage do not continue down this path and then and then for scrooge too when he's saying but you you were connected to people you were whatever him trying to reframe mm -hmm. that and then them saying like there was something about mankind we loved i think it was their money yeah. it's like oh right yeah everything about you is off yep well we're gonna shift we're gonna can shift I, can i ask if you just so we that's typing them as fives as as Jacob and Robert Marley what would you put them as those two guys do they have enough personality as actual muppets to type or or i th i think the five works i also mm -hmm. think that there might be a real cynical 9 in there or, or a real cynical 4 like but the withdrawn side of those characters of, of not getting involved but observing and thinking about what's in front of them in a condescending way you know, I think I think that and and making camps. commentary on things that they are not directly a part of. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. Well, we shift to kind of the body of the the piece, and it's the ghosts. Interestingly enough, I hadn't thought about this before we started, but we stumble upon an enneagram triad here because right? past, present, and future are going to yeah. be really big for TJ and I in terms of talking about things. And so when talking about the past and shame, talking about the fear, uh, the future and fear, and talking about anger in the present, those are all over these. Periods of time, again, I'm a four. There are periods of time beyond the past? <laughs> yes, there's right now, we which tomorrow orders. will be the past, but today is right now. I don't understand. We call it the present. I'll understand tomorrow. And it's a gift. You won't. You won't. But I will. The shame, fear, and anger all are all over these ghosts. Yeah. And and also the past and the heart that you see in the past and the future thinking, like the appeal to Scrooge's thinking with the Ghost of Christmas Future, and obviously the body side of the present. If you're going to indulge, mm -hmm. and, and there's a real like visceral. You know, I want to hit you in your body kind of elements to, to I think, to the Ghost of Christmas present. And even it's a security move. If, if Scrooge is a five, well, we can talk about this in a minute, but if Scrooge is a five and the body type is pulling him 
into the present, that's a, you know, that's a move to security. And mm-hmm. it really feels like that's what Scrooge experiences. Yeah. It's like, I'm supposed to, like, I really do have a longing for the joy in the present, but I don't get there naturally. Yeah. Well, isn't, I mean, the, the, uh, just uh, podcast wise and also just talking to you guys in, in, in general, the point of all of this, it right. Is to like, you should, you should be able to have a foot in the past, the present and the future, like to, to, yep. li- to live a balanced out life. You've, you've got all of those things, mm-hmm. which is what's so gorgeous. I mean, again, it's jumping to the end of the story, but him saying, I will live in the past, present yep. and the future. Yep. And I think that's right. And Enneagram wise, that's it. That, that is the line for me of the whole piece that should get elevated is, you know, mm-hmm. that's where he lands is I'm supposed to be balanced. We should acknowledge that all three of the Muppets created for past, present, and future, the Ghosts of Christmas, past, present, and future, were created specifically for this film. Yeah, yeah, they're not existing Muppets. Yeah, yeah. and I don't believe they've shown up again. No, that that makes it easier for us, I think, here because we don't necessarily need to type them so much as uh, we can reference past, present, and future as yeah. kind of the, those bigger ideas here, yeah. I think. There's no real nostalgia and past performances of, right. of those Muppets to talk about. Right. There, as Scrooge enters the past, here's your school days, here's your early days in the county house. What I should have done comes up frequently. And that image of shame, I think, just really drifts through the the energy of shame, the what the experience of shame is is part of the dialogue here yeah i think i think the interesting thing to me just i'm inferring a lot of my own life and heart and and into into the past moments of of scrooge but i think i think what's so interesting about the past scenes are i think it does begin with him romanticizing the past of like oh my gosh i was a kid here and there's my friend and there's that guy and there's this and there's that and then it quickly goes into showing you no no no, you can't live back here Mm mm-hmm because this is this is yeah. only going to hurt you. Yeah. Because you can't do anything about it, but you're just forcing yourself to relive it and it's going to it's going to destroy you. And I think that's for me the ghost of Christmas past has always been the most scary and I think it's for those reasons. What a shock. <laughs> well, and I I think there's also something to say about like fives have that foot in the past anyway and and there's there's something important to notice that like Scrooge is remembering the wrong things. It's not that he doesn't remember his past as someone who has mm. his eye on the fears of the future. It's that he's remembering the wrong things from his past. Yep. And and that's interesting. Yeah, part of that balance is 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 not just learning how to live in all three, but also learning how to see the past a little more clearly. Especially relationally. Yes. I, th- I think that's what the ghost is trying to do is don't you remember these people loved you, mm-hmm. you know, and that that needs to that needs to enter your cold, dark heart here in the, you know, in the present. Right. And I think that that, that is we'll talk about a little bit more about this in a minute. But the um, the importance of remembering relationships not just it's it's not just shame it's it's about relational connectivity and and like when you live in a place where your only memories of past relationships are bad then you close yourself off and and she the the ghost of christmas past is trying to show him that 
these things have affected him, but they've also caused him to close himself off. Yep. How you interpret the data matters for fives. So if you're elevating certain data over other data, that can, you're missing in this space. As I said earlier, love me some Sam the Eagle. Uh, <laughs> who who is who is the onest one that's maybe ever won? Probably <laughs> got, definitely got a one edge here. Uh, He's the, the only the, one that's the same in the Muppet Show in a Muppet Christmas Carol and Muppet Treasure <laughs> Island. He is always, always like the same. a ask. That's the that's one of my favorite lines in uh, Muppet Treasure Island when they're singing at the beginning and and Sam the Eagle as Samuel Errol comes by and is like easy Mr. Silver let us not get sloppy just because we are singing and he runs away <laughs> yeah. it's such a great joke yeah because because there's a, there's the idealistic right way to do it all my favorite image here is him talking about business and how it's the American way and you love gets... business and one day your life will be as solid as this very building oh! Oh! Hmm, I've been meaning to fix that shelf. Yes, it master. Well, young man, you have been apprenticed to a fine company in London. Today, you become a man of business. I'm looking forward to it, headmaster. Hmm, you will love business. It is the American way. Sam. Hmm? It's just... Oh, it is the British way. Good. Yes, headmaster. Hmm. And and this is a really good like fourth wall moment that reminds us that like yes this really important story is also like silly. Remember, it's Muppets. <laughs> Other Muppets. Uh, we're going to kind of speed through these, but because now it's more cameos, but they're playing characters that mm-hmm. we care about. Because uh, we cut to the Fozzie Wig, Fozzie Wig, the owner of a rubber chicken factory. <laughs> Such a good and Fozzie's mom joke. And uh, Fozzie's mom. It it is like just the Fozzie the what it's normal. It's it's traditionally uh, Fizzywig, yeah. Fizzywig, yeah. And of course, like the place where all of the Muppets show up, being themselves, is at a big party. This the Swedish Chef, the Electric yeah, Mayhem it, Band. Yeah, this is the most Muppet of it. Yeah. Yeah. My favorite. <laughs> so it, it doesn't work in this one. The Swedish chef is there mm-hmm. prepping the Christmas dinner. Did you all see the TV uh, Thanksgiving Muppets uh, show? I don't think I Yes, seen but I but I don't that nothing sticks out of my brain. The the only thing that sticks out of my brain on this was that it's centered on the Swedish chef preparing a turkey and the turkey is is like is freaked out, knows that it's going to get cooked and looks over and he says, you could cook me or you could cook that. And the camera turns and it's Big Bird. And, so, <laughs> oh God. and the Swedish chef loses his mind with the possibilities. <laughs> I guess that it, Big Bird is the only other cameo across because he shows up in that and, and Big Bird also shows up in the first Muppet movie. Mm-hmm. They oh, true. Him, they offered to pick him up, and he's like, I'm on my way to New York to get into children's <laughs> television. There's <laughs> <laughs> a, a great Carol Spiney, who we lost a couple of years ago as as Big Bird and Oscar. Well, do you, uh, the only two like characters I really thought you guys might want to type, aside from Fozzie, well, we could run these down, is Fozzie, Animal, Rolf, or some of the, or, or some of the, that inner, that bigger inner circle of, uh, primaries but you got thoughts on any of these characters teach 
Fozzie ex- exhibits this this really interesting place of being someone who doesn't know that he's not funny, but assumes that everyone thinks that he's great. Mm-hmm. So like it's it's to me he is so much like plowing forward regardless of how people respond to him and like there there's there's a threeness about him like like he needs to perform he needs to be on stage he needs other people to to recognize his genius but also he doesn't know that he's not funny right I, and that's where I land also. Yeah. I like Fozzie as a three. Yeah. And like, Andy's never given a bad performance. Like, he'll tell you there's a there's a great nerdist podcast where they interview the Muppets, which to me is hilarious because it's not a visual medium. So the Muppet performers just showed up and <laughs> sure. did Muppet voices. <laughs> but um, they, Chris Hardwick interviews Fozzie and he's like, but some of these jokes don't work. And he's like, what, what's that? Oh really? Like, <laughs> right. He just doesn't know. Right. Just has no idea. Do. Yeah. Like, pe- people just didn't understand. People just didn't understand. Yeah. Uh, which is which is revisionist the history of that. there ever yeah, was. Man, yeah, man. Like, so yeah, the, we, the reframing is super important to know about Fozzie. And so like the he to me he could be like a three with a really strong four wing, or this like very interesting seven who's all about performance. The friend. The three of us have a friend, but but we were talking. I was telling them about going to do this, and they said this person identifies as a three, and they're like, "What Muppets do you think are threes?" And I was like, "Oh, without a doubt, Fozzie Bear." And then there was just silence <laughs> <laughs> of like, "Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah." When you when you point out that people in the media or perhaps politics are threes uh, to other threes, <laughs> they don't like it. Oh yeah, <laughs> right. Yep. I I looked just because we were talking about him. I googled the best probably put that in quotes fozzy bear jokes please and there's there's i have one queued up here (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) one of the best outtakes in in the first muppet movie there they just were rolling the cameras and it was jim and jim henson and frank oz just talking fozzy and kermit talking to each other Mm -hmm. and he's talking fozzy's talking about cows and kermit's like you're not a real bear and he's like what (laughs) it just it blows his mind (laughs) it's worth finding it's it's um I'm only going to read three of these. Um, and this is this is Fozzie. What did the big dragon say to the mouse? Give up? Nothing. Dragons can't talk. <laughs> uh, did I tell you the one about the man with a light bulb in his nose? He was lightheaded. Get it? Waka, waka, waka. <laughs> Why are fish so smart? Give up? Because they swim in schools. Mm-hmm. So they're all... Uh, yeah, that's that's uh, great. Uh, Frank Oz once said about Fozzie when somebody asked him, he said, Fozzie Bear is the only person who in the Muppets who does not have keys to the Muppet Theater because he had them and it did not go well and he desperately <laughs> wants to get them back. Uh, I, so I think that's the, the way that guy particularly thinks about the personalities of the Muppets mm. is brilliant. Sure. It's, it's stellar. Easiest uh, Muppet for me in terms of typing would be animal and i think this if had is, is the enneagram eight on the screen i think it might be the mm-hmm. one of the few enneagram eights Agreed. in muppets but really well showcased here because everybody's doing their thing and it's just chaos and then uh animal emerges and just yells quiet 
<sighs> Thank you. Looks exhausted and yeah. huffs off. That's my kid. <laughs> I've seen that scene play out 28 times in my life. <laughs> I just rise up saying this needs to end and then huffing off exhausted. Like in the in the scene where it's the song, they're playing this like slow tempo, old timey tune that is appropriate at an 1800s Christmas party. And he is playing the triangle. Yeah. And can't just play the triangle and like breaks out into his own drum thing. It's like apes are gonna do what they want. That's it. The eventually animal does what animal wants. Yeah. And and controls the room. Uh, very those easy. Are, those to are see. the three things. Like animal animals motivated by playing drums, eating glass, and having sex. Yep. <laughs> the intensity of experience is all over this character. Yeah. And uh only gets excited about yeah the drums and woman 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 I believe was is the line. Woman. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, just another plug for the Electric Mayhem Band series on Disney. You get to see animals' backstory. You get to see baby animal. Sure. So forget your baby Yoda, even though he is also a muppet. You can see baby animal and how he was discovered by Floyd Pepper, and it is it is. They they managed to do the 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 traditional Muppet thing of it being really silly and ridiculous, but also heartbreaking because yeah. it's also covered. But it's also overlaid with the music of the the Mayhem Band uh, with Floyd singing um, "Bridge Over Troubled Water" by Simon and Garfunkel, and it's 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 funny to hear. But I cried when I watched it. Awesome. Yeah, it's it's. I cannot recommend that show enough. The vulnerable. Uh hidden side of the eight on that one right it also occurred to me literally for the first time watching that series that he's called floyd pepper because he's wearing a sergeant pepper's lonely hearts club band shirt mm. like just now in my <laughs> mid-30s i was like oh brilliant yeah jokes got thought got thoughts on rolf i have nothing to say about rolf i rolf? Go ahead. i could sit here and tell you a lot about like the behind the scenes stuff about Rolf, because that's fascinating. Mm -hmm. But I don't know much about the actual. I mean, just in terms of character, the character. I mean, there's a there's a stereotype of he's he's not the bartender, but in my mind, that's who that character is. Sure. He's the bartender who will commiserate with you, hear your story, uh, and sing. Um, I I have a nine in my head for for Rolf that you know, kind of meeting people where they're at mm -hmm. and. Uh, kind of spinning things a little positive there for him through music. Yeah, I get that. Well, and even if he's not a bartender, he is the lounge piano player who's just sitting there so he can talk to you while he's yeah. playing and ask you how you are. Right. And, um, kind of be armchair therapist for Kermit a little bit sometimes. Find, finds his spot as nines do where their presence matters, and but they can still be kind of wallflowers. Yeah. That's kind of that, the, the gig. Fun fact, Rolf is the first Muppet. Yeah. And the first Muppet to appear on television. Yep. The Jimmy Dean variety show and a series of um, Purina dog chow commercials. <laughs> uh, Which you can find. They're on YouTube and they're 100% worth watching because they're wonderful. Want to talk about this song? I would love to talk about this song. <laughs> the mic is yours. 
Yeah, go ahead, TJ. Okay, so uh, at the party, we also meet Belle, the young woman that that uh, uh, Ebenezer falls in love with in his youth, and uh, we skip forward to uh, their parting words, and it's this terribly tragic, beautiful song by this young woman that she is basically saying we were really great together once but you kind of don't care enough about me anymore and that's that's where it is it's it's time to go and like it's 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 so tragic and their costumes are impeccable and <laughs> like i like this is this is the moment to me that that like I I cannot possibly understand why this was taken out of any version of the film because it's to me it's so important about connecting us to how how like Scrooge has a heart. Like we see him have have like joy at his childhood. We see him connect to Bob in certain ways, but he literally cries. Like he starts singing along with Belle, which means that he remembers this song well enough that he can sing it with her and 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 by the end of it he's crying and like this is the end of the ghost of christmas past and you find him crying like just sitting in his bed weeping and it's so important to see that like scrooge knows how badly he screwed this up right the big heavy theme i, th- I think of christmas carol itself is this scene and always kind of depicted a little bit different, it seems mm-hmm. like. But of uh, Scrooge, the essence being that Scrooge acquires the wealth and loses the relationship, and one was actually vastly more valuable. Yeah, and and, and it I also think highlights that his his desire for wealth, at least in the beginning, was about protection. He was not miserly when he was with Belle. He was trying to make sure that they were prepared for their future together. And in in seeking that above all things, he lost her. Yep. What'd you say? Uh what was I gonna say? And I think this is one of the most kind of like I said with with the the Marley and Marley bit. I, I think putting it to lyrics and and music it it makes this scene so much more effective than any other version i've seen on stage or or in other films it it is it is much more heartbreaking and beautiful and mm-hmm. i think really just demonstrates i think i think what a christmas carol is really saying is we you we've got choices we always have choices we can choose to care about everybody the Jim Henson quote, right, that that we referenced, mm-hmm. like it is, it, there there are always choices to to care about everybody, or you can choose to be a horrible. I mean, and obviously that book is railing against London at the time and and what it was, right? Like, I mean, it's, but I think this really puts across Scrooge chose everything that he's doing. Yep, it didn't happen to him. He he's not passive in his own life. Just like we are not passive in our lives. Like we we make choices, and mm-hmm. I think I think this shows that pretty brilliantly yeah. that he chose where he ended up. Well, we move back to Scrooge's lair and uh, we know how the story goes. Uh, Is there another, another ghost? ghost. <laughs> there is another <laughs> oh ghost. Oh my God. Christmas present shows up 
a very different type of character. Mm -hmm. We move from shame to something much more like joy. Yeah. This character comes on the scene and is just overflowing. And the images always of bounty. Yeah. Yeah. Just celebration always color this character. And they're always just enormous, bigger than life. Um, you know, John Candy should have played this role sort of characters. Sure. Oh, wow. Now I really wish that was a thing that would have happened. <laughs> ho, 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 ho. Come in and know me better, man. Ho, 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 ho. That's an invitation. And it's, I think it is the, the physical invitation to like, it like there is something about the relational qualities that we experience in Christmas. There's something about the mind, you know, but mm. this, this character it's it's a I want like the full body contact. I want you to feel Christmas. The intuitive side comes out in this character. It's a great enneagram side of this. I think so. Uh, that's what I see here. Come in and know me better, man. Uh, did I already say that? You did. Yeah. I am the ghost of Christmas present. This is the night before the dawn, before the day of Christmas. <laughs> did I tell you that I am the ghost of Christmas present? You did. Yeah. Come in and know me better, man. <laughs> You're a little absent-minded spirit. No, I'm a large absent-minded spirit. <laughs> <laughs> my mind is filled with the here and now. And the now is Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> and I think uh, playing with theme, the, the idea of being in the present, like we, we just spent a lot of time with uh, people who... Uh, Scrooge remembers and has memories about his Scrooge's life with those people. And here is an opportunity to be relationally connected, but it is entirely present. Yep, yep. It's come in and know me better. And, and, and not like come in and we'll be best friends for always come in and we'll talk about things that have happened. No, it's come in and be in this moment right now. Hmm. If I was going to type the Ghost of Christmas past, I would go with a four. There's there's mm -hmm. kind of that melancholy dripping side. But with this character, this is the magnanimous kind of eight kind of mm -hmm. quality if you if you went down that road. Yeah. Um, a heavy seven, you know, kind of wing there. But yeah. but we'll see here in a minute the anger that emerges in this character. And it, yeah. if, if there were lewd jokes in this movie, they would be told by him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But also very much a leader, challenger, going to gonna push Scrooge. And if you type, here's the thing, if you type a Christmas present as an eight, that character represents Scrooge's security move. And yeah. I referenced that earlier, but this is a character that is inviting Scrooge to be their best self or their most secure self. They're... Mm -hmm. Like let all of that stuff go and be free and in your fullest, you know, balance on on the secure side. With the the idea of that ghost being a challenger, it's not in it's they they and understandably and rightfully so cut it out of this movie. But um in the actual scenes with the ghost of Christmas present, towards the end of it. I mean, like he really gets up in Scrooge's face yep, and, yep. and challenges yeah. him with the whole like the the shriveled, sick children of like beware these things. Yeah, you want and greed and but most of all beware want and and when he throws back the um, what then if he's going to die he'd better do it and decrease the surplus population. 
Scrooge. And he's just mm-hmm. in Scrooge's face, yep. challenging him, scaring him with his own words. Yeah. And and he's literally larger than life. Goes to Christmas present says, Have you ever noticed that everything seems wonderful at Christmas? Uh, in all honesty, spirit, no. Perhaps I, I've never understood about Christmas. Before this day is done, you will understand. Oh. An appeal to the head there. They end up entering uh, Cratchit's house. Love the hell out of the toast scene. Mm. I, th- I think that's my this is my favorite so scene good. of of this. Is is Kermit has uh, been established with that iconic image of Cratchit carrying his son, uh, Tiny Tim, obviously played by Robin the Frog, who we'll get to in a second. The joy that's there, although obviously the the poverty that's there, the lack of health that's there, and yet this is a moment where we're going to elevate. There's a scene out of Philadelphia that kind of comes to my mind on this. Uh, Hanks is a man who's suffering from AIDS, and he uh, has. A, there's a scene in that where he's speaking to his mom, and he had just gotten a blood transfusion, and, he's, and his mom comes up to him, gives him a hug, and, and uh, Hanks says to her, today's a good day. And he knows he's dying. And it's it's that kind of living in that tension is all over the scene mm-hmm. for me. And he proposes a toast. It only seems right that I should lift a glass to my employer. I give you Mr. Scrooge, the founder of the feast. <laughs> and of course, Piggy unleashes. And the, the, the great thing about this is that it is like quintessential Piggy, but it is the, it, it they are... Mrs. Cratchit lines. That's what she yep. says. Yeah. I will give him a piece of my mind and he would choke on it. That's not Piggy. Yep. That's Mrs. Cratchit. And yep. it just works coming out of Piggy's mouth. Mm-hmm. Even when Scrooge isn't in the room, the peacemaker trying to create, you know, peace between his wife who clearly hates his employer and trying to drive that connection. Yep. And shows, and this is another reason that we love the character, but it shows Cratchit's quality they's willing to defend someone who really isn't good to him yet he's honoring him as he can in that scene mm-hmm. somebody who is indefensible founder of the feast indeed <laughs> if i had him here i would give him a piece of my mind to feast upon and i bet he would choke on it <laughs> choke, choke choke my dear the the children christmas day oh uh, well, well, well I, I suppose that on the blessed day of christmas one must drink to the health of uh, Mr. Scrooge, mm-hmm. even though he is odious, mm-hmm. stingy, mm-hmm. wicked, mm-hmm. and unfeeling, mm-hmm. and badly dressed. <gasps> <laughs> and the, and the, 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 the little girls go nuts. That's funny. And again, it shows the quality of Tiny Tim, who pipes up and just follows his father's lead. Mm-hmm. The founder of the feast, Mr. Scrooge. Mm-hmm. Uh, to Mr. Scrooge, you'll be very merry and happy this day, I have no doubt. No doubt. Cheers. God bless us, everyone. Changes the dynamic of the room. Got thoughts on Miss Piggy? I've, I have lots Many. of thoughts. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I see Piggy, Miss Piggy in general as uh, a, like s- splitting that 4-3 line. Uh, because she's like, she, she needs everyone else's attention and she's like, she is very 
commanding of attention and and like she's but like she's a diva there's this space where like fours with a really strong three wing threes with a really strong four wing that like there's a performance aspect that like i i need to embody my characters i need to I need to be true to to the mo- like what what's the motivation behind like there there's this divaness behind her but she's still constantly craving the spotlight so like there there's I lean more toward three with her because I, because there's not a I think fours there can be some not some with fours there is that feeling of of not only otherness but also of of missing something. Mm-hmm. There's none of that in Piggy. Correct. Like, yeah. Like, while she, whilst Piggy wants your attention and demands it, she also knows she's amazing. Yeah, she's pure confidence. Yeah. So you should be paying attention to her because, my God, why wouldn't you? Yes. Because it's it, it's moi. Yeah. As she would say. Yeah. Um, yeah. I like For another, that everybody just with just because I feel like she's important enough to stop and talk about. Miss Piggy was originally created again by designed and shaped by bonnie erickson and they didn't really know who she was going to be they just needed a female pig for a pigs in space sketch mm-hmm. and then it's space is the which pigs in space. it's just such a brilliant like star trek parody i also got to see those guys are also at the museum of puppetry sure. arts and those puppets are so old perfect it was before <laughs> they figured out how to sort of make the puppets out of things that would age well mm, so they do not sure. look great but um uh, when they originally designed Piggy, they they based her off of the actress Peggy Lee. So yeah. so originally she was Piggy Lee, and then um, the the Muppet Show lawyers were like, maybe not, because <laughs> she <laughs> might not like that. Um, and then they didn't know what to do with her, and they and and Bonnie Erickson has said it wasn't until they put her in Frank Oz's hands, and Frank found. Yeah. Like the karate, the the karate chops all came from Frank, and they said once Frank started playing her, it really took off, and that's that's who she, she was sort of fully formed, and that's who she was, Brilliant. which is wonderful, which is wonderful. Yeah, I also got Miss Piggy as a three, and TJ, this is a mark. I mean, aside, from, I, we landed on all the same typing for all these characters. Yep, with the exception yeah. of maybe <laughs> maybe Kermit. This never happens. Yeah. But we <laughs> so, also both acknowledge that like Kermit lives like in that space in between yeah. one and nine. Yeah. I suppose we we are landing with on them all. Yeah. That's funny. That is a that uh, is a rarity, listeners. Very, very rare. <laughs> Can confirm. Jeff is wrong a lot. So <laughs> <laughs> I was looking for the joke. I was glad you found there it. There it is. Uh I do want to acknowledge I think Piggy is a three. I think Mrs. Cratchit is significantly yeah. more of a two. Yeah. Uh yeah. Her her devotion to her husband, her 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 love and desire to care for these people. And then when Scrooge comes up, Mama Bear comes out. That's a good I like that as a typing. Yeah. Forgets her daughter's names. You want to talk about twos and it doesn't seem very two-ish. I think that's just a joke. Yeah, that's like just I, th- I think joke. that's just yeah. Belinda and Melinda. They look the same. Belinda and Bettina. Just... Thank you very much. Oh, so, so, Bettina, thank you. Sorry. Um, <laughs> you're correct. Yeah, I, and I think it also like it's a joke, but it also like at at a sort of I might be reading too much into this kind of level. Like like Piggy in general as a person is obsessed with Kermit. Ob. 
obsessed with Kermit. And so it kind of makes sense that like if children of hers came out that weren't Kermit, then she kind of wouldn't care about them as much. Mm. You know? Sure. <laughs> that's hilarious. I, yeah. I've always that's kind of a thing I've always thought about. So yeah. yeah. Well, and this is the only property in which they would have children, because I don't believe they're they had children in sort of their Muppet real lives. Right. right. Again, it's a it's a really clever move to to split them as pigs and frogs mm-hmm. uh, by gender. Just as oh, like how would this work? You yeah. know, then they don't they don't do a mashup. It's like freaky little mutant hybrids would be, <laughs> <terrible>. <laughs> would be very strange. Like um, in Shrek at the end when the donkey and the dragon have like yeah right <laughs> right. <laughs> well, to come full circle. Christmas present ghost sending a Scrooge off with anger that he sees a vacant seat where tiny Tim used to sit. And as was said earlier, if Tim is going to die, he'd better do it and decrease the surplus population. I love him as an eight because you have to see this part. Not, not just like the, the happy, joyful, forgetful guy, but also the guy who's like, yeah, remember when you said something terrible? Here it is. And it was fine when it was faceless because it's just those poor people mm-hmm. out there. Mm-hmm. Now it's this kid. Yep. Just watch uh, Fazbender's uh, The Killer last night. Um, oh, yeah. Which on Netflix. A lot of it is the musings of a five, and it very nihilistic and very self centered, yet uh, devaluing of all the other human beings. Mm-hmm. And that, well, of course, there's eight billion people in the world. And so if I take out a few, this doesn't matter all that much. Yeah. And the, anyway, those kind of going together in terms of like, that's a, that's a very low side five place to be of the valuing of, of wealth, which is a huge part of the, the killer story and the diminishment of actual flesh and blood human beings. Yeah. That's being challenged hard throughout this story. Also just to say on present before we move to the future, uh, that's one of my favorite Muppet songs. The the it feels like Christmas is beautiful. Like it it it's just like I don't think the lyrics are super profound. They're great. I don't think they're super profound. But for whatever reason, it is it is one of the Muppet songs that always makes me cry when I hear it. Yeah. Yeah. Of all things, so I'm uh, I I hesitantly say this that I'm not a huge fan of musicals. And I realize that that TJ and yeah. and, uh, and Daniel may present company have we ab- we might fight. But. <laughs> <laughs> Robert Ebert also in his review gave it three out of four stars, which is a high review for Robert Ebert, yeah. and said that it needed more music. Mm. That was his take. He thought that there was there was a uh, a lot more to be done here with the music, and so what? I wanted more panicky Muppets running around. Is is what I wanted, but. That was, no, I'm just. I'm so sorry. I'm so stuck on Ebert's comment. That's you. You think that that did not need any more songs? No, I think the songs that are in it are perfect. Like they're 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 where they're meant to be, and they're they're beautiful and they're perfect. Maybe he's all the one without Bell's song. Oh, maybe. Yeah. Here's the quote. He says it could have done with a few more songs than it has, and the merrymaking at the end might have been carried on a little longer, just to offset the gloom of most of Scrooge's tour through his lifetime spent spreading misery. But is that observer from the side kind of role to put us back to Waldorf and very much needed with those guys? Great, <laughs> God, that's what that would be a show or a podcast like those Statler and Waldorf reviewing 
stuff that's being yeah. made now. Oh my god. Oh my oh, god. Yeah. I I'm down. Ghost of Christmas Future emerges next. I was surprised that they didn't do a Muppet here. That they just had the blank face. I mean, it, I mean, it is still a Muppet. I mean, it's the hands and the but. Throw in a Skeksy or something. Great. <laughs> it, That's too scary, man. Those things are terrifying. That would not have worked for me as a kid. Just love those. Uh, <laughs> there is something about the future that the future doesn't speak. It's just a place of anxiety. Mm -hmm. uh, the the feeling of anxiety that colors this one is real strong and. There's a, it's silent, it's imposing, and the future is always a place of death. That's the thing that we know about the future is that's where you're going to die. You're going to die in the future, um, and so that's where we're going. Yeah, always in this movie and kind of my connection, my my viewing Christmas Carol in general, always kind of my least favorite portion of the the story. It's the one where I'm like, right, I guess we had to go here, yeah. but it doesn't give me. I don't get as much out of it. Maybe it's because I don't care about the future, really. Like, it just particularly, maybe as a four, I can't even focus on what I'm doing right now. I'm not going way up there. Yeah. So I don't care. Yeah. I get you, that. We had mentioned, we had mentioned scary scenes before. The, the, the scene in Christmas Carol where essentially the vultures are consuming all of Scrooge's belongings that's the one that always I think is the most terrifying. It's it's always mm. it's always just it has that it has a very strange tone to it that always just hits me in the wrong spot. And here I love that it's played by the pigs, mm. uh, and that the pigs are talking about Scrooge's belongings and you know here is he has dehumanized people throughout his life and now he's being dehumanized yeah. in uh, and only the goods have value. And it's insects, also that I that I really like the, the actual scene where they're dividing up his stuff. Uh -huh. Joe is a big old yeah. spider. What do you got for old Joe? Huh? So back from the house of sadness, I see. <laughs> Said that he didn't die years ago. The old skin flint. Hey, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let me see. What do you got for old Joe? What do you got for me to remember him by? <laughs> Joe, get off. Well, I got these collar buttons from his dresser. Mother of pearl. <laughs> No, 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 no. I got his bed curtains. Very fine damask. <laughs> Very cheap damask. Worth a few coins. No, I got his blankets. His blankets? Why, Mrs. Dilber, they're still warm. I don't pay extra for the warmth, you know. You should. He's the only warmth he ever had. <laughs> 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 I really love that. Just connecting it. It's it's the pigs that are like, we didn't really care about this. We'll go if there's a meal. We just want to consume everything. Which mm -hmm. is funny because they're just as bad as him. They just they're still alive. But then yeah, it's the it's the in the when you go into the underworld and the people who are stealing and dividing up his stuff. It's it's I like that they used. It's got to be intentional that mm -hmm. they used bugs. And it, it's it speaks to the like not just dehumanizing, but also the only people who care about even his stuff are the underbelly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think it also gets, I think in versions of any version of this that I see when they're talking about this, it, it gets overlooked that the person who brings in the sheets is his mate yeah. who literally took the sheets off of his bed when he, he was dead and still in it. Mm -hmm. 
still warm. That's hardcore. Yeah. And I don't <laughs> know that that gets drawn as much attention as it deserves to yeah. have drawn to it. Because damn, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's perfect. It's kind of bookends here. Because he doesn't recognize that this is his future. I assume that it's, it is his it is yes. Scrooge's. Yes, they're, they're talking about him. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but you pivot over to the Cratchit house. The Cratchits are not mourning him either uh, because they're mourning the death of Tim. Mm-hmm. It's again the case, of, I've said this a handful of times, but because we have such a heavy investment in Kermit and in Miss Piggy when they are in grief and showing their grief, that's not something that we have seen before. Right. I mean, not it, real that's grief, just yeah. out of nowhere. And it's hardcore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So well composed. Um, Piggy, the three, putting a, you know, putting, trying to hide uh, when she's in mourning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, mother, you're crying again. Oh, 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 it's just the lamplight that hurts my eyes. <laughs> Not tiny, Tim. get weak in the, in the dim light. I would not want to show weak eyes to your father when he gets home for anything in the world. He should be back now. I think he's walked a little slower these past two evenings. Hello, my dears. Daddy. Oh. Hello, girls. Hello, Peter. Hello. Children, please, please go set the table. Thank you. How was the churchyard? Well, it'll be lovely, Emily. It would have done you good to see how green the place is. I I picked a spot for Tim where he can see. Uh, it's it's a spot on the hill. And you can see the ducks on the river. Tiny Tim. Tiny Tim always loved watching the ducks on the river. Yeah. And then Kermit the Nine is all positive spin well and, and even it's seeing, still heavy yeah if we see piggy as cratchit as a two mm-hmm. it's still positive outlook yeah yeah oh there you go sure yeah but there's something about the image and image mm-hmm. for both twos and threes will be important yep even when, it, when it's in front of your kids who likewise are in loss right um there can be the i don't want you to see me i can divorce yeah there's a there's a desire to paint a uh, uh, like to see the positive in this terrible situation that is expressed by these two mm-hmm. and and it's one of the it's again one of the few times where the this scene really moves me mm-hmm. because i so many live versions of a christmas carol that i see it's like I, I know this at this point and that's not why it's not emotional for me because i can i can cry watching things that i've seen earlier today mm-hmm. again tonight and i'll still go to the same emotional place but so often i feel like stage versions of this it doesn't feel earned yeah cuz cuz we haven't really connected too much to the cratchits yeah. we've kind of seen them almost exclusively as jokes yeah, like the, the, the cratchit are flat yeah and so then you get to it's like oh yeah of course and uh, tiny tim is dead and i should care and i guess i do cuz i'm not a monster but also i'm not really moved cuz you haven't earned this sad moment this movie does but but uh scrooge's sadness over the death like brings us into that a lot more as well like like most of the portrayals of this I've seen, like Scrooge's sadness at, at Tiny Tim's death, it's too quick. 
Right. But then you put Michael Caine in that role and you're like, oh, okay, this is desperately sad moment. There's a setup in this movie where Michael Caine's Scrooge looks at the and sees the value of Tiny Tim yes. and says, well, this is an extraordinary person, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, again, there's a five-ish thing of, think, see, of observing value. Yeah. I think that's in there with just, again, to talk about Michael Caine as Scrooge. He does such a great and I think entirely unique job of he's still the Scrooge that Scrooge has chosen to be, but you see these little moments where the Scrooge who he really is leaks out in past, mm-hmm. in present. When he finally starts to dance along with present yes. during that song, yeah. it's beautiful. Yeah. And I think yeah. he's um, he's a he's a willing participant in in this see these scenes with the ghosts that he never is in any of the other things it's always like i'm begrudgingly going with Mm -hmm. you and the ghost of christmas future shows up and it's like well i guess i'll go with you because i have to but in like this one he's actually scared but of being scared and also being like but i need to go yeah i want to go yep and i think he's the only actor who does that is scrooge Mm -hmm. and it's so great yep you like uh bill murray's on that front as well. There's like Bill Murray knows what's up. He's self-aware of the story mm-hmm. in uh, in Scrooged, and there's a pissed offedness, and they go from yeah story to story. That ghost of Christmas future always scared the crap out of me too. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah. The creatures in his guts. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like as a kid, I was like, <gasps> I don't have it written down here, but there's something about. I think most Christmas carols, you you see. Tiny Tim and maybe are sad that that kid died mm-hmm. and are are saddened by that kid. And here, I don't think that's the case. I think you're saddened by the fact that the person that you, this character you love is in grief. And those yeah. are, I think those are different, yep. but I think that's what happens here in my heart. Yep. And it should be, ha- and I agree. And that's what should be happening when you see a Christmas Carol. You just, it just never happens. Yeah. Right. And, and, and yeah, we, we know a lot about Kermit and Piggy and to see them in real grief is a completely different thing. And most of the right. time the, the actors portraying these characters are not like they're, they're just, the, it's not enough of a difference from them being downtrodden to them being, Grief stricken. And this one you get a real sense of that I don't think you do in other ones that like Scrooge realizes that he's responsible. I think in a lot of the other ones it's this would be bad if Tiny Tim dies and I know I'm a monster and I know I could step in and help this. But I feel like in this one you get a real heavy sense of Scrooge realizing that mm-hmm. it's because he pays Bob Cratchit so little mm-hmm. that he's not able to do this and and he's responsible for this this little boy's death. Yeah, yeah that gets set up in, again in some of the language earlier uh, Kane sets up that, you know, how does he get by with as little as I pay him? You know, it yeah. kind of lines. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> right. Turn to Scrooge's gravesite. And this is always a place, I think, of creativity for the director. Like, how are you going to get from here to there? Because mm-hmm. you have to have him break somewhere. Yeah. And, you know, the end is near, comes in in this scene. So, must we return to this place? There's something else that I must know. Is that not true? Spirit, I know what I must ask. I fear to, but I must. Who was the wretched man whose death brought so much glee and happiness to others? Answer me one more question. 
Are these the shadows of things that will be, or are they the shadows of things that may be only? These events can be changed. A life can be made right. Hear me, I I'm not the man I was. Why would you show me this if I was past all hope? <laughs> I, I will honor Christmas and try to keep it all the year. I will live my life in the past, the present, and the future. I will not shut out the lessons the spirits have taught me. Tell me that I may sponge out the writing on this stone. <laughs> oh, spirit, please speak to me. <laughs> Thoughts on the gravesite? Yeah, this I think this one's done really well because because this is another moment, and again, maybe just because I've seen it so much. I, I assistant directed a high school version of it. I've been in it. Blah blah. I'm I'm always just like, yep, it's almost over. You know, uh, <laughs> we can we can eat now. We can go to dinner. Um, the grave scene itself, I'm not particularly interested in because because whatever. But but it's it's always how it's chosen, how the actor playing Scrooge chooses to, chooses to react to it. Mm -hmm. and i was i was weeping through it when i watched it this morning the way michael right. kane does it it's just the because it always feels like whoever plays it is just like i don't want to die yet i right. can turn everything around mm -hmm. whereas whereas just the crushing weight of all of it is is comes out in michael kane's performance of like there is i don't want to die me the scrooge character i don't want to die but it's also like but if I don't change and I just die, all of these other things will still happen. Mm -hmm. Bob Cratchit, who's the only person who I admittedly give a crap about, his life is about to be ruined. Like, how do I, I want to fix this because I, I don't want that to happen to other people that matter as well. And I think that is in his performance. Maybe I'm inferring a little bit of it too, but I think so much of that is in Michael Caine's performance and it's not with other Scrooges. I feel like it's just... I don't want to lose my life, so I'm changing only just as an act of, almost as like a transactional act of if I'm not a monster, do I get to continue living? And I think Michael mm -hmm. Caine portrays this, just this sense of I want the world to be better. And also, if that world is better, I would really like to go back into it. The the often sort of like like almost one-dimensional portrayal of Scrooge being afraid of his own death in this moment is like this is not character growth for Scrooge. That's that. Who cares if someone who is miserly and selfish becomes selfish <laughs> like that? <laughs> like like the motivation behind change, if that's the only thing he's afraid of, is entirely selfish, and it's it's completely uninteresting. And what we see here with Michael Caine's performance because he's literally the only one talking is that like he is expressing a deep fear that all is lost. He's expressing a deep tragicness about how things could be better if only he could change. Please say it's not too late. And it it's not about his death. It's that that he wants a brighter future. There's a moved from five to seven here that is it's it's this is a beautiful portrayal of what can happen with a five being in stress yeah on the flip side there's it's the knowledge that leads to action mm -hmm. that takes place when 
when freedom comes or when what fresh opportunity comes. Yeah. Once, once he realizes he's not dead and has volition over, over things that he knows, then that's where downshift into catharsis that erupts in action, which yeah. is another, another great five image. But I think yeah. that's, I think that's right. His, I think both of you are capturing this correctly that Kane Scrooge here is bringing in some elements that aren't often seen and, and mm-hmm. really hold a lot of value. Yeah. And it's because he does such a great job playing him as a monster at the beginning. Yep. This is this is yep. a thing I think about a Christmas Carol across the board, no matter what adaptation it is. He's got to be so cruel at the beginning, mm-hmm. like he's you you got to earn that end moment. And 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 some versions of it, you can see the the actor playing Scrooge, whether it's their choice or the director's choice. It's like they're pulling back a little bit because it's like, oh, I don't want to be disliked. It's like, no, yeah. we're meant to hate you, yeah. right? Please make me hate you because I want to love you at the end of the show, but I won't if you don't begin here. Yeah. It's not just that Scrooge hates Christmas. It's that he's a mean person. Yeah. A decidedly every day I wake up and choose to be like this kind of a person. Yeah. Okay. Landing on a a great Enneagram image, you move from extremes in terms of where uh, Scrooge has been living to, to a life of balance. Like the solution in the language is one of balance. I'm going to live my life in the past, present, and future. Like I'm going to engage these parts of myself, allow them to have real power. I'm going to invest in these places. I'm not going to be myopic. These are all very powerful images of, of what a healthy inner life can look like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Perfect. I'm going to live my life in the past, present, and the future. Well, he goes about setting things right we all know that riso and gonzo are gonna get knocked off that ledge <laughs> still funny every time yeah well we we left uh beaker and bunsen in my mind with some uh mm-hmm. gestures of disapproval towards scrooge but this is again a payoff because because you have so many experiences of beaker elsewhere when beaker gives the scarf over this I thought this is just masterfully done. Mm-hmm. the The biggest thing is that Scrooge has been clad in black the entire film, and when he, you know, he gives a donation to the charity workers, Beaker thinks I will extend what I have in return. I just wish there was something we could give you. A gift. A gift for me. And all of a sudden now, Scrooge has color. The smallest scarf ever. The t- I know. <laughs> it's not when you see him again later, though. It's like after they move away from the scene, it's like now the scarf is big enough. It's human size, <laughs> not beaker size. Um, I love that in contrast to the way it usually happens in the story, or at least it's happened in a lot of the stage versions I've seen, is Fred gives him the scarf, mm-hmm. and he's in it at the, the end, which is fine. But uh, there's something wonderful about it coming from those two guys yeah like mm-hmm. this is very sweet and wonderful maybe because it's beaker but you know there's just something i love about it yeah agreed i also like to to backtrack a little bit when he throws the door open you there boy what day is it the fact that it is a callback to somebody who he's been so cruel to at the beginning yeah, and thrown sure. a wreath at yep yep that now he's delighted and charmed by this mm-hmm. by this person by this muppet and and he throws something at him again, except it's money. You there, boy. What, me? Uh, that is, uh, what, me, sir? What's today? Pardon? 
What's today, my fine fellow? Today? Well, today is Christmas Day. It's Christmas Day. I haven't missed it. The spirits did it all in one night. They can do anything they like. Of course they can. Of course they can. Uh, of course they can. <laughs> do you know the poultry shop in the next street? Yes, sir, I do. An intelligent lad. A remarkable lad. <laughs> do you know whether the prize turkey has been sold in the window? Oh, the one twice as big as me? It's still there. Oh, it's a pleasure talking with you, lad. Go and buy it. Be serious. I am being serious. Buy it for me and I'll give you a shilling. Oh. No, I'll give you five shillings. What? Wow! <laughs> and so the boy was off like a shot. So even... <laughs> yeah. Oh, true. Yeah. And it's, it's usually yeah. not... There's usually not a caroler and it's usually not the same, but that... I'm assuming Brian Henson choice to have it be that mm. character is yep. beautiful. Yep. Yeah. It's funny, but it's beautiful. Yep. Well, not only does he get the color at this point from Beaker, uh, there's something about elevating from just dialogue or even monologue into song. And that happens in various musicals, but this is the first time that Scrooge sings. It happens and in it's... all musicals. <laughs> Technically, it's, it's the second time that he sings. What else is he? He sing? sings along with Bell. Oh, of course. During the world's saddest song. Well, that wasn't yeah. in the. Well, and uh, I, uh, I suppose it's the case that in that cut, that would make sense. That that's actually where he's surrendering mm -hmm. some of his humanity after that. Yep. Yeah. Picking up his humanity in this yeah. space. Yeah, and and while while the story begins with him walking through a crowd singing about how mean he is. The story ends with him in the middle of that crowd singing, uh, leading them in a song about the love we found. There you go. Yeah. It's good. Which is why it's so it's so crazy that you'd cut that song because that song is called When Love Is Gone and this one is about when it's fat. Like, why would you, idiot? Well, and the reason the, they yeah, cut the it song is because at the they, end they, doesn't make any sense because it, well, the, it is think, a reprise of the love is, The Love Is Gone. And I think the re one of the things I had heard the reason that they cut that is because when they were screening it for kids, kids were bored as hell during right. the, that that moment. But, but that um, seems not all not kids for were kids. right. Not all not all kids were like melancholy little sad weirdos like TJ and I. <laughs> <laughs> Brian Henson want that stuff with with y'all and yeah. thought it should remain. Yep, because Brian Henson is obviously a genius. Yeah, I mean not just because he agrees with me, but the largely. the only thing I would change in this. Uh, this movie is the dialogue with, with Piggy when uh, Scrooge comes to the Cratchit house. So here you are. Uh, Mr. Scrooge, uh... You, sir, were not at work this morning as we had discussed. Uh, but, but, Mr. Scrooge, sir, we did discuss it. It's Christmas Day. You gave me the day off. I, I, Ebenezer Scrooge, <laughs> would I do a thing like that? No, uh, I mean, yes, but, but you did. Oh, Cratchit, I've had my fill of this. <laughs> You, Mr. Scrooge, and therefore Bob Cratchit, and therefore you can leave this house at once, and therefore I am about to raise your salary. Oh, and I am about to raise you right off the pavement, Roger. Yes, Bob. Raise your salary and pay your mortgage on this house. I would love for them to have played out the gag that's going on here for for longer. Yeah, where Scrooge is saying, great. "Here's mm -hmm. here's all the things that I want to give you," and and Piggy saying, "And this is how terrible and awful and oh, no good you are, and well, how dare you even come here?" But but the transition line is also spectacular. 
the and I'm about to raise your salary. And she says, I'm gonna raise you right off the pavement. It's so funny. And then her once she realizes what's happening, how she suddenly like pushes Kermit, like yeah. get up there. She's like, really up. sheepish now. But I do agree. I think she should no, she's a pig. Um ha ha ha. She should have spoken two more times mm-hmm. before realizing what he was doing. I think I think two yeah, more a little more things. And it would have been that out perfect. Yeah. But um but I mean it's still wonderful because yeah, I'll raise you right off the ground is so piggy and so Mrs. Cratchit, even though she doesn't actually say it. Yeah. It's hilarious. Yeah. But I agree. This uh, of of all things, I we haven't said it, but Miss Piggy brings a lot more energy and character to that character. How often do you remember Emily Cratchit? Oh, let's no. uh, see. I didn't even remember that her name was Emily. I so thought right? it was Mary. <laughs> I, I was going to say Mary too. Yeah, D- never. Yeah, never. I cannot think of it. And I'm sure there have been movie versions where like people of note have played Mrs. Cratchit. Yeah, in Scrooged, that woman doesn't even have a husband. That's correct. Yeah, you know, it's like it's almost right. a sacrificable character. Mm-hmm. There you go, and so ends the movie uh, with with song and joy and go out in the world and be a better person, y'all. Yeah, I like that. I I also want to make another quick note about like the the idea of Scrooge being a five and then the move towards security and him being in, a little bit in that eight space. Like he he him showing up at the house with the same demeanor as they're used to i think it's a great bit but it's also like someone like a five moving to eight space would do that yes because he like like i have knowledge that you don't yes he's gonna hold out and and like challenge them in this way of like these conditions are unacceptable and therefore I am going to fix them because that's what yeah. should have been d- being done all along. Like calling himself out in that way, but like really setting them off their guard. I really like that, that as a representation, I could see that very easily being a, a thing that like a, a, a really healthy eight could play with a five moving to eight in a really healthy way could play with. Right. I also like that it's a moment where you get to see Scrooge in in my reading of it, which is informed much less by personality and much more by performance stuff. Mm-hmm. The that is the it's like the first time you see Scrooge be a little playful. Like yes. yeah. um the version I saw at the Alliance, I get to, to just reference that again. As he's about to go to the Cratchit's house, he like turns around and he's like, Okay, 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 and like gets in care mm-hmm. like re gets into character and it's it's mm-hmm. like a bit. Yeah, and I've never seen anybody do that, and I love that too. It's like, oh, he's—I mean, it's kind of evil, but like, it's a cruel joke. But it's kind of funny to be like, oh, you know, what would be funny is I'm going to show up and pretend to be me because they don't know uh, that I'm a transformed person. I think that's so—it's so fun and funny. Potentially can be at least. I agree. the 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 Disney version has that element to it where Scrooge McDuck is kind of giggling as he comes to the oh, door. Oh, does he? And, and I see. It's, I it's it's also very well played. On I don't know way. that I've seen that one since I was a little kid. Yeah, really, really worth revisiting for again. I think just for aesthetically, I think aesthetically, it's just really well done. It's like one of the few Disney cartoons with Mickey Mouse that I like. 
in the last 50 years that like I can even remember like having any weight. Mm-hmm. I always what remember the Mickey Mouse in here recently. You know? Not well recently. I don't know. The one I always remember is the Jack and the Beanstalk with Mickey. Sure. And the thing I the thing I really remember from that is they're so poor they have one like yeah. bean and they <laughs> cut like a little sliver <laughs> off. That's the thing I remember from that movie. Like it's burned <laughs> into my brain. Well, that's what I got for for this. Uh, lots to be said, I suppose, about Dickens' legacy and uh, Muppets' legacy, and uh, but mashups of these things I think are always quite special when they when they work, and this one works. Especially when you have Michael Caine involved. Uh, last word on this on this film. Uh, I think it is pretty close to a perfect Christmas movie and a perfect Muppet movie. Agreed. Yeah, it's it's the only Christmas movie that I have to watch, and also I really struggle with Christmas, and this one I've never not liked it. It's a good word, um, friends. Uh, if you like diving into movie characters and their enneagram types, we have an entire podcast called Movie Typing. You can find it linked in the show notes, or you can just search for Movie Typing and Enneagram, and it'll pop up it's green and white uh we've tj and i've gone through at least 50 or so uh characters deep dives into all sorts of beloved uh properties if you were just getting into enneagram you stumbled across this want to get further into it we have another podcast called start here which will give you all of the intro to just doing personality typing and looking at yourself through these lenses which we highly recommend we highly recommend it because we created it I've started to realize how many people, like in selling their wares, say something like, I highly recommend this thing uh-huh. that I yeah. spent years on. We <laughs> yeah. It's our thing. Of course we recommend it. Let me, I, I have made none of this and let me highly recommend it. Someone who you should not have any reason to trust, but I will also highly recommend it because it's been uh, invaluable to 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 uh, my life and uh, the lives of a lot of other people I know, the work that both of these guys have done. So to be Lovely. to be uncharacteristically uh, and truly sincere for a minute, you should. Thank you. Um, I would say he wouldn't lie, but he would. But he's, <laughs> he's not lying that's, about this. That's genuine. <laughs> Maybe. I am. Daniel, it's always a delight having you. Yeah, this uh, is wonderful. TJ, you got anything else? I got nothing, man. TJ Wilson. <laughs> he's officially awesome. I'm Jeff Cook. And who you aren't just isn't interesting. Merry Christmas. Straight to the chopper! I drink your milkshake. Fasten the seat. Oh, it's going to be a bumpy night. Was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? I am serious. Now don't call me Shirley. Ugh, that was so bad it locked up my computer. Quick, let's get out of here before it finds the key. (laughs) No, I mean it.